0: Welcome to Grow Up, insights on how
1: businesses can use technology to grow better. Please welcome your hosts, Jason Parkinson and Mark Hammer. Welcome to the Grow Up podcast. My name is Jason Parkinson. And I'm Mark Hammer. And today we've got a special guest on the podcast. I'm excited. Uh, We're joined by Kevin Berkopes from Crossroads Education. Hi, Kevin. Hey,
0: Jason and Mark. Great to be with you.
1: Hey, thank you so much, sir. So I've heard a lot about Crossroads. We've been talking about you guys internally here at OneFire for a little while. But can you just tell us and our listeners kind of what is Crossroads and um, how did you get started and kind of what's the overall mission?
0: Yeah, so we we can go all the way back. So I, uh, I graduated with a math degree from Purdue University. I'm a country boy. Uh, from Indiana. I was born between a couple cows and a barn. And <laughs> after, I, uh, after I graduated, I, I started traveling and uh, learned a lot about what I didn't know. So I worked in areas in North Carolina, south side of Chicago, uh, Texas, back here in Indiana. And I was teaching K-12. So everything from you know little kids all the way up through high school kids and some of the roughest schools I could find, honestly. That was kind of how wow. I traveled. Wow. And uh, what I learned from that was that about 20% of the teachers in schools leave by October in uh, oh. rough schools. So imagine one in five of your faculty that you started with in August uh, were gone by October and, and uh, you know, with uh, kind of unceremoniously, right? They're, Monday they're there. By Wednesday they're gone. Wow. And, uh, what I learned was that that's, an, that's not a reliable workforce. And the kids that are suffering the most are the ones that, frankly, need the most support. Um, and, and I actually started in uh, Chicago, I started putting the kids together to teach each other because the sort of mantra was, you know, we're the only ones that are here. So let's go ahead and use that as a, as a force to, uh, you know, to find purpose and power behind that. And it worked. They, when they taught and when they tutored each other, they really learned a lot and they really enjoyed it, which is uh, something that. I think we don't have an education, which is this mixture of joy, love and education. For whatever reason, people parse those words. uh, I think they all belong in the same building. So uh, fast forward a little bit. I got a master's degree from the University of Texas in mathematics and a PhD in West Lafayette again uh, with Purdue and was formulating this entire idea that what if we built these centers in schools where kids were allowed to teach each other uh, all day long? And what if we paid them to do it? Oh, wow. And, uh, so where we kind of ended up was uh, I took a, an academic job um, at IUPUI here in Indianapolis and I took over what was it called a tutoring room at that time and changed it into this model uh, over the first year and a half that I was there called a learning commons. And after a few semesters, we went from 9,000 visits to 18,000 to 27,000 to 54,000 to 100,000. Wow. And it just kept growing. I mean, we were the busiest place on campus, honestly, other than where you have food and beer. Which yeah, right. Pretty, pretty good for a college campus,
1: right? Yeah, right. Not bad. And
0: yeah, you know, what they were learning was math. Uh, they were teaching each other everything from algebra to three-dimensional calculus and differential equations. And it was fun. It felt good. It was loud. It was chaotic. It was filled with kids. I mean, we were doing between three and 500 visits a day. Uh, I built a second one in 2015, and it did exactly the same in terms of sort of hockey stick growth. People were hanging out not just to learn uh, the mathematics that we were serving, but they were just hanging out because it felt good. And that was really what the Learning Commons is all about. It's a place where you can hang out, uh, bring your food, uh, take a nap. We really don't care. This isn't a library, right? This isn't where somebody's going to be coming up behind you and shushing you. It's, you know, be human and enjoy each other, but in the process – when you get at a table that's whiteboarded in a wall and, and everything is activated, um, there's, there's really no stopping how fast you can learn something when you're, you know, in a place where you feel good and, uh, and can col- collaborate. So back yeah, forward a little bit. Um, you know, the dream was to get this into the K-12 system because we, we're, we're at a crisis point right now. Um, yeah. It's, it's, it's just not working. And uh, I think everybody would agree to that. But lots of folks have sort of differing opinions on what would fix. Um, my, my perspective is that the whole system has to shift. So, you know, I built this to move into that. So we got our first high school a couple years ago. And uh, it was right. Chris Maddox High School here in Indianapolis. And, um, you know, we, we taught 15 kids that had never passed a standardized test how to be tutors. We wow. built an entire center on the back of a, a HRSA grant that we got And uh, paid them around 10 bucks an hour. Um, I think we hired 14 of them or 15 of them originally. And they were working, you know, five, six, seven, eight hours a week. So imagine being paid to go to high school to tutor your friends and your peers uh, in mathematics and uh, later on other content domains. And they serviced 92% of the population in the first uh, semester of Activation. That's incredible. I mean, it's, it's, it's really neat when you see young people teach. And then even better, you see young people trying to learn more so that they can teach better. Yeah, <laughs> that's and, impressive.
1: And, and it probably helps the students, too, gain some empathy for, you know, what their teachers go through in, in teaching them, right?
0: Yeah, you jumped right to it. So we think that uh, one of the best ways to teach the intangibles of workforce development is to shift people's narrative to considering themselves to be educators, from being an educator, you learn empathy, self-worth, purpose. Hmm. Uh, you learn how to communicate. You learn how to understand someone else who's trying to do something difficult. Uh, you also learn what it's like to do something difficult with other humans. And, uh, you know, basically one of our taglines here at Crossroads is uh, we want to live in a world where everybody thinks that they are educators. Because uh, that's, hmm. a, that's hmm. a heck of a world to live in.
1: That's a yeah, powerful place. Yeah. If, you, if we could get to that, I mean, think of how many things that could change, even in terms of, you know, world peace and every, you know, everything else. Like that's there's that's kind of a root of of a lot of the, the challenges in the world today.
0: Yeah. Think how we do it now. Right. So you're in a classroom and you're being taught that education is your way out. Uh, it's a way to better yourself. It's very, you know, very selfish how we use all of this language. And, you know, for us, it's uh, we have a, a phrase that's an Ubuntu phrase, and it means I am because we are, which means that education is about making yourself better so that you can make your community better. We sort of feel like we've made a mistake here. Uh, the language we've been using about getting out, that's ridiculous. Education is about equipping yourself with the resources necessary to go back and fix your community because you are the only one that's going to do it. You're the only one that's equipped to do it. You're the only one that grew up there and understands the ecosystem. You know, let's kind of quit worrying about everybody else coming and saving us. Let's save ourselves. The best path forward for that is educating ourselves. And uh, kids really rally behind that. They really believe that's a better message. Uh, you know, there's no reason to know something unless you're going to teach it. And uh, that's that's really played pretty powerful with the young kids that we have uh, here in the city. So a little bit forward, we... Um, we just recently got a Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation grant, and it allowed us to expand even further. So we, we're in now uh, K through eight and nine through twelve, and in higher ed. And so we have as young as fourth graders teaching um, here in the city, and that's that's one of my favorite things to watch. Is a uh, for example, we have a fourth grade uh, group of tutors who are, are teaching literacy and mathematics to. Kindergartners, And if you want to see something powerful, Hmm. you know, come and watch a young person that's eight or nine years old that has taken on the ownership of being an educator and working with a five, six year old. I mean, the dynamics is just, it's just so powerful. Yeah,
1: that's really cool. Yeah. So I, I a couple questions. One, on the business model front, like what do you do to, you know, to try and, and get into these, into these communities and into these schools? And how do you, like, what's the, what's the model for funding? Like, how do you, how do you, how are you able to pay these, you know, these, these young people to do this um, and, and, you know, continue to grow, to grow your business?
0: Yeah. It's, I mean, it's one of the ultimate things that we're, we're having to be clever about, so in a traditional education system, you are being fought by the very system that you're trying to help, support, and change, because status quo is kind of where we all want to want to stay for some strange reason. So we've had to figure out sort of a three-pillar approach to funding. The schools have money, and they know they have money, but it's located in places that they have a tradition of spending it, and they need to sort of think differently about how to allocate Title I funds, Title Four mm-hmm. funds, or GIN funds uh, professional development funds, all of those can be filtered towards our license, which is how we've landed now, uh, with our pricing. We've got two license. One is a launch license where we launch your school. We build the programming with you. Uh, we train your people how to run it. And then hmm. we, we kind of bow out after six months and allow you to take control. We don't prefer that model, uh, but we know we want and have had clients that, that want that option second option is that we want to run it as an OPM, an off-site program manager. Okay. Uh, we, we run the shop inside. My full-time professional hires, trains, develops your capacity for, uh, for your students a, as tutors. We design the space for you. Um, and then we design the actual programming based on what you need. And uh, we prefer that one. And that one's a, a yearly license to be in the school. And if we build the furniture and everything, we actually buy the furniture for you. Wow. Uh, to outfit the space, and we we kind of rent to own that over four years uh, at a price point of eighty five thousand a year for four years each year. Um,
1: okay, that's, that's really cool.
0: you your students are paid for. You get the full time professional called a learning commons director. You get everything. Um, all you got to do is uh, work with us to uh, you know
1: design the programming. So Kevin. What kind of technology is involved in pulling like something or pulling something like this off? I mean, this sounds like a pretty significant undertaking. What do you use? What are your tools?
0: Well, we we actually um, I learned very early on that you can teach young people on projects to be software developers and um, you know UI UX designers, data scientists. It, working on projects, I mean, these things are skilled trades. People just need opportunity. So I started right. building the tools that I need uh, or needed based on uh, the students at IUPUI. So I hired some kids that uh, actually have now graduated and have been working for me at Crossroads since the beginning. So they they started as undergrads at 18 or 19. They worked on four or five projects in their undergrad with me. And then once they graduated, they stuck with us. And now they're some of my best professionals that work in a team of 15 full time. Um, So we built all the tools we needed. We needed tracking, analytics. Um, We needed to be able to schedule the tutors. And all of those were bits and pieces, but we put them together in one product called Element. And then we Hmm. wanted to create an online learning commons, something where people could connect across geographic location in the same environment and culture that we build locally. So ask questions, you know, sit long, talk much, be able to take turns communicating, have whiteboard available to you and and also have everything that you write on that whiteboard recorded uh, so you can go back and watch it later. And that's called Nexus virtual learning spaces. So we (laughs) created that product. Uh, and then my colleague, Eric Beitenauer, who's my CTO several years ago, uh, started developing this uh, digital manipulative called Graspable Math. And we've since developed that further into this really amazing product where you can take and play with math on a virtual canvas. And uh, you can make mistakes, which is we we really don't care about mistakes uh, or answers for that matter. What we care about is thought process and problem solving and modeling and, and graspable math allows you to do that in a very nuanced, interesting way um, where it's, it's kind of what we see is the, the, the virtual uh, answer key of the future, right? This, this way we, the answer's there. You just got to play around with it until you get it out of it. Um, so we, we built all of those tools because of our background and, and uh, you know, my background in data and, and machine learning and, and mathematics mixed with uh, you know, software development and everything else. It all mixed into this great opportunity where we built the exact tools we needed uh, to to wrap this whole thing into a product that's now much more robust than a, a tutoring program. It's it's a, a learning commons with a, a SaaS product suite attached to it. Um, we think that we think that distances us uh, from competition, though. <laughs> sure. uh, frankly, sure. no, we're I would agree. Trying to, trying to do what we're doing. Uh, right now that people are having a hard enough time wrapping their head around when I say that, that kids can teach, yeah, let alone try right. to do it. in a
1: living room, Right. right. I, I've so. got a four year old who's trying to teach his two year old brother how to annoy his parents, I think. And that's about the extent of the, uh, knowledge I've got <laughs> in that world. But
0: yeah, I mean but he's knocking it out of the park. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I tell you it's just
1: it's an incredible thing to think about the fact that, you know, education has been changing for a while now. I mean, you go back, I'm 36 years old today, right? And you think back to even when I was in high school, um and, you know, textbooks and that whole thing, then enter the iPads, right? And now you're starting to look more at like one-to-one computing within schools and having, um, you know, having your textbooks available digitally or or through an audio format or other ways of learning outside of just a traditional textbook. And then you fast forward to what you guys are doing now, and it's like it's all of this, this, you know, movement forward in the education space because attention spans are changing with students um, you know, a- everything is is continuing to evolve and it's just neat to see where you guys are at kind of on the forefront of that of that happening.
0: Yeah. I, I, you know, I agree with what you said. There is an evolution happening. Uh, there's an evolution in society. If you jump into the classroom, though, it's not evolving very fast, especially mm-hmm. at the university level. You know, the the, the, the let's see, four math departments that I taught in uh, as in part of my academic career. They still don't allow kids to use calculators, wow. let alone really? you know any other technology. You know, when you get a, a job in, in uh, you know, the tech industry here in Indianapolis or elsewhere, you are using all of these tools that are changing at light speed. But the way that the universities are working, they can't keep up, and most of them, frankly, are still teaching the methods from the '90s and, and before. So there's just this huge gap, and then uh, the traditional classroom as well. We're still Having kids rotely memorize, um, you know, multiplication facts and things like that, and frankly, though, that's not necessary now. <laughs> yeah. know, you know, I mean, the number one thing that everybody wants in terms of an employee now is is flexibility, the ability to work in groups, the ability to communicate, show up on time. Uh, we'll teach you what you need to know in terms of uh, of our company, right? But we need people right. that can do that, and what we're teaching in school is kind of the opposite. It's uh, we're going we're gonna to ask you to memorize things, regurgitate them on a test, forget a little bit from now what you just got an A on. What, what good does that
1: do? Uh, I don't understand it. I had a uh, statistics class in college. I was a, a mass com major. And so my, um, you know, my only math class, my entire college career was statistics. And I actually, because I'm awful at math, I hired a tutor and um, I met with that tutor two, you know, two days a week. And I had the class three days a week. And so on the off days I was meeting with the tutor and I actually got an A in statistics and I don't remember a single lick of any of that stuff where I stand today, nor do I have a use for it now. And I look back at it and I'm like, what a waste of time that was. Do I know how to calculate certain things statistically that I need to? Yeah. I go to Google and I ask, like, it's, it's a completely different, um, you know, way of, of working now.
0: Yeah. I I just, I I don't understand, you know, the, the way that the human being's brain works. You cannot say that what you learned as a freshman builds as a sophomore, junior, and senior. You know, math majors, they have to take seven or eight courses that are all discrete from each other hmm. that all have really very little in common. And by the time you're a senior, all you've done is game a bunch of courses, uh, and, which are, frankly, reasonably difficult, not, not because the content is insurmountable. It's because of how we're teaching it. So you get done. You've, you've, you've done a lot of hard work. Uh, you've got a piece of paper that says that you are supposed to be a problem solver and you've never solved a problem. Yeah. I, uh, I, I have some problems with, with that design. I obviously have strong opinions sure. too.
1: Yeah, I like it. (laughs) (laughs) So if you look at this learning commons model and you think about our audience here at the Grow Up podcast, you know, we've got people that are listening in communities all over the country, um, probably people with kids, people at different stages in their life. What could our listeners do to help you um, get the word out about this model or if they're interested in in you know, figuring out how they can partner and bring what you're doing into, you know, some of the school districts that they may be a part of?
0: I think it really does start with the idea that we don't have to do the education system the way that we are. And that really strikes a chord with a lot of people. A lot of people that see my work and my team's work, they see a learning commons in action and they always say things like, I wish I had this when I was a kid. And then they say things like, man, what what would I have majored in in college if math hadn't been an impediment to my growth? And, you know, what if I hadn't thought my, of myself as not a mathematics person? You know, th- those things I hear time and time again when I'm talking to, to parents and, and other members of the community. And the answer is, is that you were thrown up a wall that was an impediment to your personal growth that has done some serious inequitable um, things in our society. And it's not because you're not a math person. Uh, all humans are math people. And, uh, we're all problem solvers. I mean, we're, we're one of the most clever animals out there uh, in terms of problem solving. And we, we have people that say, well, you know, I'm a literacy person. I'm not a math person. Well, that, that's, that's kind of nuts because math and literacy are pretty much the same thing. Uh, they're, they're both languages. They're both built on characters that you have to understand how they work. And when you put them together in complex ways, you get a book or you get a math equation. Same stuff. Uh, just, Taught so differently, um, and frankly, I I, I don't equate uh, a high performance in mathematics with superior intellect, like some people do. I mean, if you can paint or build a sandcastle really, really well, that's a skill you should Great. be proud of. Uh, it's the same thing with math, right? So once we break down that barrier, math, computer science, data, any of those things. You know, what we need in our schools is a culture that that pushes this forward, and we we already have it. We have the kids right there in front of us. They're in every school. They're ready to work. They're ready to have agency and purpose. Uh, what we at Crossroads do is just set that free instead of being an impediment to them. So it's, it's really a movement that we've seen grow very fast. If one of your listeners wants to have this in their school, we're ready. Uh, we want this everywhere because we know – Uh, Our society needs it. And again, we want to live in a world where everybody thinks uh, and acts like an educator does because
1: that's... That's a great vision for where we need to move. That's awesome, Kevin. Hey, let me ask this question. I don't know if you've thought about this or not, but let's talk about in the enterprise for a minute in terms of employee training or, you know, knowledge transfer in, in large organizations. Do you think that a learning commons model or what you've built and you've looked at in kind of that K through 12 or higher ed scenario, do you think that's applicable in business?
0: Oh, yes, absolutely. So we've got several pilots going right now this spring, uh, a couple that are going to be starting here in the next month. And what we believe is that we can take um, a skill set, a certification, a platform, a technology that you need to train on. Uh, We take the traditional way of doing it, which is spending a bunch of hours watching soul draining videos and uh, getting lectured at. And we flip that on its head. We give the people that you want to have this skill set. They work together in cohorts. They design, you know, the amount of time given to them to learn the material. Uh, and then you have a learned near peer that runs the actual execution of that design. And that's how a learning commons fits into a tech company or a, you know, a advanced manufacturing or any of those things. Any skill set you want to learn, uh, you can learn faster, better, and more completely if teaching's involved. Hmm. And if you don't, Uh, remove agency from the people that you're trying to, to educate. So, yeah, we're, I mean, we're thinking that way. We're, we're sort of a cradle to career, uh, model that we wanna, we wanna see spread, uh, because it's more equitable when you give people the opportunity to learn in this way, uh, rather than, you know, the, the traditional system, which, only really works for a small subset of our population and displaces everyone else.
1: Wow! Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, well, yeah, Kevin, anything important. else you want to share before we before we wrap today?
0: I appreciate the opportunity to talk about what we're what we're up to, and you know, we we are uh, very very hyper focused on uh, spreading this, and, and um, you know, we we want everybody to know that it's a team effort. We have fifteen full time employees, and we have. Some very dedicated teachers in our schools that we collaborate with, and uh, you know honestly, one of the, the most powerful things is the kids that we work with so yeah what a rewarding
1: uh, what a rewarding thing too
0: yeah, this it's, has been really cool it 's a, it's a great way to spend a work day yeah, I bet
1: I bet. <laughs> Well, Kevin, thanks so much for the time and thanks for sharing that information about Crossroads. And of course, crossroadseducation.org is the website. We'll link to it in our uh, in our show notes today, too. And um, coming up next week, all kinds of great stuff. We're gonna talk about some flexibility with your marketing actions. I'm looking forward to that. And uh, thanks so much for tuning in to the Grow Up Podcast today. Thanks for listening to Grow Up. For more information about the topics discussed in today's show, visit onefire.com/slash grow up.
0: This has been a one fire production